When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. Real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. Welcome to Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. An astrophysicist is what I am, and I direct the Hayden Planetarium right here in New York City. My co-host this week, Eugene Merman. Hello. Eugene. This is part two of our show on zombies. Yeah. And, zombies. And viruses. Yeah, zombies as a metaphor for the spread of viruses and other infectious diseases. And there was so much to talk about in that last segment. It's spilling over into this hour Mm -hmm. and we'd swapped out our guests yeah all right uh previously we had an expert virologist because he he told us even what a virus was yeah he told us there are viruses that love gold (laughs) that's right (laughs) that's amazing i want to i want to explore just the cultural political social ramifications of what happens when you have an outbreak and for that we had to find different expertise and we did we found Lori garrett (laughs) Lori. Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist and author of the book, The Coming Plague. Apparently, she knows something that we don't. Uh, She won the Pulitzer Prize for a series of stories she wrote on the outbreak of the Ebola virus. Oh, that's the one I keep being afraid of. In Zaire. Lori Gart, welcome to Star Talk Radio. Thank you, Neil. Is Eugene, is he justified in being afraid of Ebola as much as he is? Well, I'm not like afraid of it like I won't leave the house. Right. Well... (laughs) Is he? Is it justifiable fear of that? Yeah. Well, I don't think you're going to see Ebola virus turning up in New York City anytime soon, right? Um, if ever. Oh, good. Um, so great. But when I've been but what in- about Boston? I go there sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Similar. It's I've closer been in to the, the middle of Ebola epidemics, and uh, oh. the real problem in an epidemic is spread inside of hospitals. Oh, really? Ooh. Yeah. So keep place- people apart. So one man hospitals. No, it's that we have, and this was true with the SARS virus. I was in China through the whole SARS epidemic, and in all those hospitals, and I go to epidemics. That's what. Yeah, I Yeah, I was worried about that. Fun. <laughs> the way some people follow. The band Fish, you follow <laughs> epidemics around for, for the a moment, world. There, I thought she caused them. Yeah, yeah. Yes. just happened to be there oh, yeah. when it's it was. It, the accusation and I has won been another made by Pulitzer others. Prize from it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, 
also for this hour, we, we're continuing with my clips from my interview with Max Brooks, who is one of the world's, the leading expert in the world on zombies, which we've analogized to, to Outbreak. And uh, why don't we get to my first clip from him, which puts Outbreak in the context of politics and culture, and then we come right back to Lori. Let's check it out. I think the reason the zombie craze is so crazy right now is because we're living in such anxiety-ridden times. You're exploiting those anxieties. I started with me. Remember, I, I didn't okay, need... Okay, so you're the excuse that you're giving yourself yeah. for going down this path. I didn't need the global financial meltdown to give me anxiety. I had that anxiety at 12 years old. Okay, so you're an anxious kid, but so now this is a catharsis for you. Well, it is because it, it's the one apocalyptic scenario that we can feel empowered. Oh, right, because you can actually, you can actually come upside their head with a baseball right. bat. You cannot hit a credit default swap in the head. <laughs> you just can't do that. Nor can you hit an unseen virus in the head. You can't do it with a virus. So these are macroscopic viruses. Right. So it's the one thing you can actually do something about. Because all these anxieties from 9-11 to Katrina to swine flu, bird flu, all these things that are hitting us... Everybody feels so powerless, especially when the president tells you to go to the mall. So you really feel powerless. And at least in a zombie plague, you think, okay, here's the one thing where, yes, we can. Plus, unless you're really inept, you're going to win a fight with a zombie. Yeah. If you keep a cool head and, as the British say, keep calm and carry on, you'll be all right. And, and carry a big stick. I was invited to speak at the U.S. Naval War College because uh, the president of the college, Admiral... Wait, do they know something we don't know? Well, the part that kept me up at night was... Are they breeding zombies for the next military encounter? I wish it was just zombies. <laughs> Admiral Weiskopf said to me, you know, if you take the zombies out of World War Z, apparently I have presented a very credible step-by-step -step scenario of how society could unravel. Sleep tight, everybody. Your contribution to the genre is the extent and depth to which you're thinking about the reaction function, if I will, yes. of culture, of society, and of people. Right, because I don't want to do little adventure stories of sort of, there's a group of people, and they got some guns, and they're going to go from point A to point B. I want to think, how would the government react? How would you reorganize the economy? How do you feed 100 million refugees when the global supply chain has shut down? And the point that I tried to make in World War Z is that it's a global crisis, because I think there are no real American crises anymore, right. except maybe Snooky. But, <laughs> I mean, the problem is the world's problems are America's problems, and isolationism just doesn't work anymore. So I wanted to also see how other countries might react to a zombie plague, not just the USA. Laurie, are we doing the right thing when plagues break out? Or, or do we overreact? Oh, well, it depends which plague and what the nature of the plague is. If black it's, plague. <laughs> well, I, I, was, I was in a black plague epidemic in India in 1994, and the reaction was insanely wrong. Well, insanely wrong. Because now we know how to deal with plague. We have antibiotics, and it's really simple with penicillin. And what did they do in 94? Oh, my God. They went berserk. It was in a place called Gujarat and a town called Surat, and pretty much everybody that had money and power abandoned the town and left all the lower caste Indians to themselves with only four or five government doctors. That was it. And all the private sector physicians, the Ayurvedics, they all deserted, jumped ship. And the uh, panic that ensued was just phenomenal. And then the government refused to show up, the, said New Delhi, 
um, when the Minister of Health showed up, he jumped off the plane, announced that he had cured his own cancer by drinking his own urine for many years, and jumped back on the plane terrified and left everybody. And then all sorts of people started claiming it was a Pakistani conspiracy and that the Pakistanis had made the plague and released it to kill Indians, and it just immediately okay. went geopolitical. How much of this is because there's a profound absence of science literacy? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Science so, literacy would a is pamphlet the... Would some of this? <laughs> no. <laughs> right. <laughs> if they could read. No, science illiteracy is absolutely at the root of most insane responses to epidemics. Because if you're rational and you know how microbes work, you know how to protect yourself. And you won't drink your urine once you yeah. know yeah. how. Not to cure just, cancer. Yeah, just, yeah, drinking urine doesn't cure cancer. Let's just let people know. I'm not a scientist, but you'll back me up, right? I Absolutely. I'm with Are you, you saying that antibiotics could stop the Black Plague? Yes. It's oh. a bacterial disease, Yersinia pestis. In yeah. fact, I think they give that for, for Lyme disease. The same... The, oh, sa good. the same antibiotic regimen, because uh, I, I read what would what it cures, and the whole list was like stuff from 500 years ago. I'm thinking if I ever get a time machine, yeah. I'm bringing that stuff back with me. <laughs> well, being a cosmologist, you're the most likely candidate uh, for time. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I'm not authorized to divulge. Right? <laughs> yes, you already have done it. We know, Neil. When we come back to Star Talk Radio, more of my interview with Max Brooks, world's expert on zombies, and Lori Garrett, who's going to tell us how societies react to viral outbreaks. We'll see you in a moment. We're back on Star Talk Radio. You can find us on the web at www.startalkradio.net. I've got Lori Garrett in studio with me, a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist who's thought most of her life about the spread of infectious diseases. And in that first segment, she was suspiciously in all the places where there were viral outbreaks. Yeah. And she tells us that she was not the cause of them. It's her job to cure them. <laughs> so, it's a good cover story, I have a, to say. Uh, so I, I'm going to want to know, what are all the ways to thwart the spread of viruses? And I've got also my interview with uh, Max Brooks. Uh, in case you don't know, Max Brooks was like a zombie guy. I mean, he wrote the Zombie Survival Guide, and that's uh, a book. Another one, World War Z, a feature-length movie is being based on that, starring... Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. So that means you Mr. have to watch Handsome. it. Mr. Handsome. Mr. Handsome Dude. So you got Mr. Angelina Jolie. <laughs> you know what's interesting about that is that the other metaphor for the spread of disease that's been constantly raised is vampires. And certainly the whole- I thought you were going to say Brad Pitt. <laughs> no, but the whole the whole vampire phenom uh -huh. is definitely an outgrowth of the HIV epidemic. And uh, Brad Pitt made his career playing a vampire. Yes, that on, was his the, initial breakthrough role. That uh, was yeah. his monster role. Across from- uh, Across from Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise yeah. exactly. Interview with a vampire. Yeah. You want to know an inside trick on that one? They had to dig a trench deep enough that when Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt walk side by side, Brad Pitt was shorter than Tom. Mm, that's what happens when you're the it lead. It fooled me. <laughs> it, even to this day, I'm like, what a tall man Tom Cruise is. Well, one big difference between vampires and zombies is that it's it's a lot harder to kill a vampire. Let's go to my. But it's a virus that also spreads. Let's, let's go to my interview with Max Brooks. Find out all the ways to kill a zombie and see what analogies we can draw to the ways to stop the spread of viruses. 
Can a bow and arrow kill a zombie? Yeah, but remember, a bow and arrow has to be used by a, an archer. You know, Elizabethan archers practiced from boyhood they to become good. a good archer. They were good. You can't just pick up a bow and arrow and go Robin Hood. You know, okay. that does not work. So if you want to become an archer in a zombie plague, you better start practicing right now. Okay, but did, will one arrow kill him? Kill oh, yeah, it'll go right through. And then kill him. Oh, yeah. I mean, an English longbow actually has more punch than a musket. Mm, right. And that's what got rid of armor. Right. English longbow just penetrated right. armor like it was butter. Yeah. So do I have to shoot the zombie in the heart? Through the head. Through the brain. Destroy the brain, you destroy the ghoul. That's been the rule since 1968. And you, you're sticking with it? I'm sticking with it. So the rest of the body doesn't matter? No. The rest of the body is just the vehicle. Uh-huh. But the brain is the command center. Okay. So shovel works. Shovel works just fine. You don't know. Good hand weapon. Good machete. Machetes are the best. Zombies, do they have to stay warm? I mean, can you freeze them out? Can yeah. you heat them? What's their... You freeze them, but then they'll thaw. So. Oh, because they're, they're not alive to be killed. Right, right, right. Right. So they're just viruses. They're just viruses. So springtime comes, and they're up and at them again. Okay, so you can delay them. You can delay them. Okay, and how about like flamethrowers and stuff? That, that'll work, I guess. It works, but think about it. When was the last time you threw a steak on the grill and it burst into flames? No, it doesn't. So you, you wouldn't be burning them. You'd be cooking them. Right. You'd need a lot of fire. Right. to burn one zombie. Right. In fact, the human body has a lot of fluid in it. You can't just ignite fluid. Right. And most right. people don't understand when you die of a burn, you die because the fluid has come out of your body. Right, right. So I came up with something in World War Z called your resource to kill ratio, which is literally how much resources you have to use to kill one zombie because it becomes a war of economics. So you don't have unlimited resources and zombies are coming at you. What's the cleanest, simplest way to kill a zombie? The cleanest way, I would say, would be to decapitate. With some kind of saber? Some kind of saber, some kind of uh, curved, bladed weapon. Because the thing is, even crushing the skull is going to take a lot of effort. You're going to be burning calories. And the truth is, once you've decapitated them, the head is still biting. It's a landmine. But, just, but it's, not, it's not mobile. It's not mobile. So step away. Because the point is to survive, not to engage. Your job is to escape and evade. Okay, and a swift cut to the neck is clean and easy right. and, and low investment of your own caloric energy. Exactly. It burns a lot less calories than trying to repeatedly bash the human skull, which is one hard shell. But it feels good to watch someone do that. Well, if you can get someone else to do it, which I think is the problem of most industrialized countries, is getting someone else to do our work for us. <laughs> okay, so you want to conserve your energy because you might have to do this a thousand times. And I think that's what people don't understand. Everyone thinks a zombie plague is going to be like a video game, which is essentially a sprint. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Plus, in a video game, it doesn't count your calories that no. you've expended to kill what you no. just did. Or the amount of water in your system. Right. Or the Access of, to water. Right. Access to water or energy. If you get sleepy and you're going to start messing up. And remember. Get sleepy. Sleepy. You're going to sleep. And just think about it. Every time you pull a trigger, where is the next bullet going to come from? Right. Who's making bullets? Right. Zombies already took out the bullet factory. Right. I have a lot of people come up to me and they say, I'll make my own bullets. And I say, sir, with all due respect, no, you don't. You assemble them from the Cabela's catalog. <laughs> God bless you. But unless you're smelting the bronze. <laughs> unless you're, you're right. removing the iron ore from right. the earth. Unless you're making that powder like Captain Kirk in that episode. Yeah, with, with, the the, with the Gorn. With the yeah. Gorn. You're not making your own bullets. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, Laurie. Laurie, that was quite a list there for how you stop a zombie. How do you stop an outbreak? Well, the first thing you have to do is make sure that everybody whose job it is to treat patients and identify who's sick has proper protection to make sure they don't become carriers support, of the disease. Medical support personnel. Medical support personnel, ambulance drivers, you name it. They all need latex gloves, masks, 
you know, proper equipment. Okay, first line of defense. First line of all defense. Right. Then make sure that in the hospitals, all the equipment is sterile and you don't reuse any syringes. A whole lot of epidemics are simply because of reused syringes in poor country hospitals. So the hospital is not the place to get better. The hospital. you sterilize syringes or you just get need more? Not modern ones. No. We now use plastic. If you put that in an autoclave, it'll melt. Okay, mm, so I okay. won't do that. Yeah, so not a good idea. They're made cheap so that you can reuse them without a great cost. I mean, so that you can dispose of them without great cost to you? Cost to the environment, but not cost to the individual. Okay, so now so now you've got that. And now how about people themselves? I mean, my great worry is there's a virus that breaks out and you can catch it airborne. Yeah, just and, by thinking about it, no. that would be the worst. <laughs> That's exactly. Just the fear itself would kill you. Well, fear does kill in an epidemic. People behave really stupidly sure. and put themselves at great risk. And I've seen it over and over. You know, in the SARS epidemic, I was in Hong Kong, and there were two major hospitals that the bulk of all the patients went to. So the, so the start of the SARS was in China. Yeah. It okay. started in China and was covered up. It started in November of 2002. We didn't know about it until uh, about this time, 10 a, years ago. A government cover-up. Yeah, Chinese government cover-up, because there was a transition going on between the uh, Jiang Zemin era and the Hu Jintao era. The secret party congress had taken place in November exactly the same day as the first individual with SARS staggered into a medical facility in Guangdong province. And during this secret conclave, they chose who would be the next successor of power in the Chinese Communist Party. And because they had not had a peaceful transition in so long, nobody could remember, they said, nothing can rock the boat. We have to have total security. So Everybody covered up the epidemic until it hit Hong Kong. And it hit Hong Kong because one individual was infected, was terrified, knew what was going down because he was a doctor, staggered across the border, went to a hotel called the Metropole in downtown Hong Kong, stayed on the ninth floor, and everybody else on the ninth floor that pressed the nine button on the elevator got his disease. They then went, they were travelers, they went to their respective airport destinations and took the virus to Vietnam, to Toronto, Canada, to this is like the end of the movie Planet know, of the Apes. This is, you remember this is the terrifying. The- I'm like, how am I still alive <laughs> even hearing the story? And what I saw was that the case in Vietnam, you would think that would have been where there was a really terrible epidemic because it was a poor country. But actually, they had such bad hospital facilities that the windows were all open and it diluted the virus in the air so people weren't coughing on each other. Go to Toronto, where they had high-tech medicine like we have here in the United States, they had a heck of a time getting rid of that epidemic. It just kept spreading. (laughs) It just kept spreading inside their hospital. Because the hospital a completely contained environment. Yes, and then in Re- China, recirculated air. In China, it was that the people didn't trust healthcare workers. They're right. It's, it's a big. They were right. Well, yeah. it was a big rip-off system there, and so people would keep their loved ones at home with oh, the virus and not right. take them in. Okay, so they weren't right. And it spread rapidly. And I went all over China under the radar, though they had put out the word throughout the Communist Party that if anybody spotted dangerous foreigner Laurie Garrett, I was to be arrested. But Were you I arrested? Managed, no, you but my translator was. <laughs> but we Your managed, translator was arrested? Yeah, but we managed to get pretty much through most of the SARS area of China and document what was going down. So when we come back to Star Talk, I want to talk about vaccines and mm. the cultural resistance to that that 
exists presumably in other nations as well, but certainly there's some of that here in the United States. Yeah. We should talk about polio and al-Qaeda. Uh, we'll go sure, straight there after this break. You're listening to Star Talk Radio, the zombie edition, with zombies analogized to viral outbreaks. We'll be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Hey, remember when we did that show about the science of the golf swing? Well, let's take that to the next level. And that's because PXG has developed the Black Ops driver so golfers don't have to sacrifice distance for forgiveness. And the science proves it. PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. Now that's ridiculously high. The higher the MOI, the more forgiving the club will play. So you don't have to square the ball perfectly for it to go straight and get distance. Add PXG's new advanced material face technology and you get incredible ball speed that pushes the distance to the absolute limits. More forgiveness, more distance, no sacrifices. PXG Black Ops Driver. Hit your tee shot straighter and farther. The proof is in the science. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment. Go to pxg.com slash startalk and use code startalk at checkout. That's pxg.com slash startalk. Use code startalk for free shipping on all equipment. PXG.com slash StarTalk, code StarTalk. Talk. 
Welcome back to Star Talk Radio. I got Eugene Merman with me, my co-host. Hello. And this is the zombie edition. We're talking about viruses with Lori Garrett, who is a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist who writes about this stuff. Yeah. She's tweets at Lori underscore Garrett. Yeah. It's got, if you want to avoid an outbreak, follow her on Twitter. <laughs> That's how I do it. That's how I've avoided Ebola. And it's Garrett with two R's and two T's. And she's got a website, LoriGarrett.com. We're also featuring my interview. Uh, obtained at Comic-Con 2012 with Max Brooks, the world's expert on zombies. Uh, I've got a question. If you want to stop a virus, typically we think of vaccinating ourselves in advance of this. In your world travels, has there been resistance to vaccinations? Or is it that new viruses come up and we don't have a vaccine yet? It's both. Obviously, with flu, we've never had vaccine on time to make much of a hill of beans a difference. And the majority of the planet never gets flu vaccine because we only manufacture enough for the people in the rich countries. But in most of the world, the resistance to vaccination comes from one of two places. Either they are from the rich world. They are well-educated, they're upper middle class, and they've come to the conclusion, which has absolutely no basis in scientific reality, that their babies will have autism because of a vaccine. Literally, uh, that's like a specific fear that people have. Oh, yeah, not based in especially in America. It's like a, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I've heard that, yeah, yeah. but it's not at all started, true. It started with a guy in the UK named Andrew Wakefield who claimed to be able to prove this, and it turned out to be totally bogus. He was as close to disenfranchised as the British Royal Academy of Sciences and the Royal Society of Medicine can do, yet it continues to resonate in a certain kind of conspiratorial way. Well, I think it resonates because you do a Google search on vaccines and autism, and up comes all the websites, and you think there's something legitimate, even though it's all based on the single... One liar, one British liar. One (laughs) deceptive set of bogus research. But Mm -hmm. Like an evil John Lennon of science. (laughs) The, The bigger problem we have right now is... Here we were on the cusp of eradicating polio, Mm -hmm. and the CIA used a vaccine ruse in order to capture Osama bin Laden. So the polio vaccine, Mm. is that like smallpox vaccine? It was an attempt to rid it completely. Completely rid it because there are no animals out there harboring polio. So it's possible if we can get rid of it in humans that we can actually eradicate the virus. So humans are the only carriers, therefore we can- No wolves with polio sort of walking poorly about. So we've been really optimistic and the Rotary Clubs all over the world have raised the money to support this eradication effort. Well, And the Gates Foundation, is that, they're in this they're too? In, they're in the game. Uh, the U.S. government's in the game, etc. Well, I'm going to throw my hat in the game. <laughs> you <No>. should. It's <laughs> it's a great idea. Who wants paralyzed kids, you know? Right. I don't. But here's what happened. The CIA brought in a doctor by the name of Dr. Afridi in Abbottabad, Pakistan, and said, we think that house has Osama bin Laden in it. We want you to do a phony baloney vaccine campaign so you can get in there, poke needles into these children's arms, and come back with DNA, and we can do the DNA analysis and find out if they're little bin Ladens. And if they are, then we know that's where he is, and we raid that house. So this Dr. Afridi staged a fake, it wasn't polio, it was a fake uh, hepatitis vaccine campaign. Um, He never did actually access the bin Laden kits. Nevertheless, the story has gone wild. And now Islamists, Taliban, Al-Qaeda, Al-Qaeda offshoots are slaughtering polio workers 
in Pakistan, in Afghanistan, in because Yemen. Because they think they're all part of a CIA conspiracy. Exactly. And it's open season. And most of them are female volunteers unpaid that are being assassinated. We just had an incident where some Koreans were killed in their sleep in an African country where Islamists, this was in Nigeria, thought they were polio vaccinators. So we've hit this point where as a matter of social conspiracy theory around protecting us from viruses or your zombies, if you will, as a metaphor, you know, the CIA has actually mucked it up. And we now have Islamists all over the world convinced that in polio vaccines are something that's bad for Muslims. Okay, well, so, that sounds no, that's crazy. Yeah, well, well, so again, science literacy matters here because if if you are aware of how biology works, how viruses work, how immunization works, and and what it does and why, then you'd be able to distinguish the bad efforts of the CIA from the good efforts of the World Health Organization or anybody else. Well, by right. the way, we've been here before. This happened with HIV over and over until you had the head of state of South Africa. Tabo Mbeki convinced that HIV was harmless and that uh, there was a mass conspiracy to force Africans to go on phony drugs, uh, all to make profits for these alleged American companies. And because he refused to make those drugs available to South Africans, 360,000 South Africans died of HIV without treatment. In the few moments we have left, uh, what's the status of smallpox? Completely gone. Uh, the only samples are stored in two locations. Is one of them Amherst College? <laughs> <laughs> one is in Atlanta, Georgia. You can guess what that facility is, and the other is the in Center Russia. for Disease Russia. Control. Yeah, that's Putin probably. Is this one bag. of these things where they got to come together and destroy them simultaneously? Yes, but they've never agreed to do it. So every time there's a meeting, should we destroy or not destroy, mm-hmm. it turns into a brouhaha, a total mess, and everybody leaves the room and says, let's decide next time. Well, we the day we get Islamists ma- to do it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so the day we manufacture viruses, then you can destroy that one, and anyone wants to make it again later, they just follow some recipe and do it. I mean, can we have a well, virus that hates smallpox? That's the next stage, which when, I'm now working on. When we come back, the future of viruses. Star Talk Radio, the zombie edition, the virus edition as well. Welcome back to Star Talk Radio. I'm your personal astrophysicist, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Joining me is co-host Eugene Merman. Yes. Hello. Yes. Viruses. <laughs> all about viruses. Somehow Eugene is very tickled by all of this. Uh, Lori Garrett, your your virus journalist extraordinaire. Uh, somehow being everywhere in the world where a virus outbreaks. And we've been analogizing this to zombies because I have interview clips from Max Brooks. If you didn't know, he's actually the son of Mel Brooks, the famous uh, act- actor. Uh, all becomes yeah. clear. Yeah, writer, all director. Be- writer, director, yeah. comedian, everything. Yeah. And I was in Comic-Con and caught up with him. Let's find out just what he says about zombies and, and viral outbreaks and cultural responses to it. Check it out. So it seems to me like the CDC should have you on their payroll. Well, the CDC has a wonderful zombie plan, and it's great because- No, no, I was joking. You're not joking now. No, I ain't joking. (laughs) The Center for Disease Control in Atlanta has a zombie plan? Because for the first time in federal government history, they're actually connecting with young people. 
because what they're trying to do is get little kids and teenagers thinking about disaster preparedness. But you don't say it in a real plague. You say, hey kids, if there's a zombie outbreak, here's what you need in your kit. So it, it's an education yes, strategy. It's an education strategy. For the first time, you have young people talking about things like bottled water, radios, plans, first aid kits. God bless Dr. Khan over at the CDC. Let's cut his budget by another third. <laughs> so, Lori, I didn't know. Did you know this about the CDC? Yes, was, absolutely. You did yeah, know this. About I would. It. I would hope. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm pleased you do. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, there are people who, getting back to these fear factors, there are people who are, feel pretty sure that somewhere in some diabolical lab, somebody's cooking up a virus for 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 evil nefarious purposes. They probably are, but that's not really what we should be afraid of. Well. Um, Actually, let me put it to you this way. First of all, the Russians never shut down their entire biological warfare apparatus. And under Putin, the military continues to have something going on, and they're not ever allowing any outside investigators to go in. So we don't know the total status of the Russian program. I do. It's probably terrifying. <laughs> yeah, well. and A native Russian right Putin here. Putin with unlimited money is making biological weapons. <laughs> probably. Meanwhile, in the United States and to a lesser degree uh, other wealthy parts of the world, we have this very exciting revolution going on in biology called synthetic biology where people are building organisms from the dna up or rna she up. calls it an exciting yes and not terrifying but yeah, exciting yeah. okay there are very positive things that can come from this but is one of them enslaving the human race well <laughs> one of the things is that groups are now saying well why can't we figure out what an epidemic would look like by making the very organisms that would create the worst case epidemics and let's ah, study them in the lab. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like the end of the world scenario beginning well, of every and movie. The next stage is now you build the sequence, you send it to somebody's computer thousands of miles away, theoretically, and they print it out in a 3D printer that's loaded with nucleotides. Mm. So now you, you can make microorganisms. You can fax remotely, an organism to somebody. Essentially. <laughs> and that is an example of the deadliest organism to see what an outbreak. So you're emailing deadly viruses to just see what happens. Not this computer viruses, the instructions on how to make a virus that you just invented. Invented. Right. So now all of a sudden we're no longer in the world where biological weapons convention or any other international agreement is about, or the FBI for that matter, is about monitoring who has test tubes with what in it, but rather who just emailed a sequence to somebody. You're never going to be able to monitor that. How are you going to monitor Exactly. That? Right. So Great. We're, we're in a whole Great. new world. Thanks for messing with our day here. We were all happy before so you, you started talking. So you could send to someone a, a, a thing that they would print and then it would just eat them. Like you could you could fax <laughs> someone a wolf now. Well, just to give you a simple analogy, you could fax a wolf that would eat a person. And the person would say, gee, I wonder what this nucleotide sequence is. Let me try it. Exactly. And then the, out of the lab comes, comes a, a, a monster. Yeah. Well, let's just say that we've already seen somebody, a group, make from the DNA up the polio virus no. and we've seen some deliberate manipulation of viruses to give them the capacity to spread between mammals that they didn't have before great this all sounds so, so great an, a new set of legs some other kind of motorized what's the biggest gives, thing that someone's made like a cat a squirrel no nothing that big but uh, we don't Bacteria? want big. the problem is the very small okay. that which you cannot see 
Mm. Mm. And so, so CDC is thinking about some of this. Any other agencies out there? That well, WHO, FBI, CIA, National mm-hmm. Security Council, AARP. We're in the middle of all of this. <laughs> so wait a minute, but wait a minute. At the but Council every, on Foreign Relations, we're working on this problem. I, every agency has its own motivations. If the if the military is doing this, it's not for the same reasons that the World Health Organization are doing it. I Actually, presume everybody's very worried about counterinsurgency. We'll get back. To Me that too. In our final segment coming up, the special zombie edition of Star Talk Radio. Do you want to set up your child for success? Of course you do. Maybe you want to save money on private tutoring, or maybe it's just out of your budget altogether. Is this a big school year for your child? Like maybe they're starting kindergarten, middle school, or high school, or some other milestone. Maybe your family moved and they're starting at a new school. Is your child ahead? Not getting challenged enough in class? Well, we love that little smarty, but we want them to be engaged. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. There's one site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids can use it at home on the computer or on the go through the app on your phone or your tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. And no more trying to figure out how to explain math equations or grammar rules yourself. IXL has built-in explanation videos. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And Star Talk Radio listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash StarTalk. Visit IXL.com slash StarTalk to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. We're back for our final segment for Star Talk Radio, special zombie edition, where we're talking about zombies and viruses and all the stuff that can kill you in ways that you don't want. And I've got Lori Garrett with uh, Eugene Merman, of course. But Lori, you're you're an expert in this. You're a journalist, Pulitzer Prize winning. Uh, you had a book come out last year. I heard the sirens scream. How uh, America responded to 9-11 and the anthrax threats. We probably did not respond well. No. And I'm betting that's not the first time we responded badly. Oh, my. 
my God. When the worst The worst of all was Ever. our response to HIV. HIV. Total disaster. 30 years ago. 30 years ago, total disaster. What was the main problem? The main problem was that the victims, quote unquote, of the virus were gay men and IV drug users. It became politicized. The president at the time was Ronald Reagan. He refused to even mention the epidemic. And so now, depending on who you are as a demographic in a population, if you don't have a government that thinks about you in a caring, loving way, that could be your death song. The biggest lesson from tuberculosis, HIV, go down the list, is you don't want to be part of a disenfranchised group or a group that the larger society looks down upon. Tea because party. if you are if you are that individual, society will not be there for you. So tuberculosis, you're probably referring to the immigrant period back, you know, 110, well, we 20 now, years we ago. We now have a XDR tuberculosis, extremely drug resistant. Your chances of surviving if you get infected with it are extremely low. Well, guess what? It's spreading in Africa. It's spreading in prison populations in Russia. It's disenfranchised. Disenfranchised. Well, so this stuff affects all cultures, civilization, society. It's not just a simple outbreak containable where everybody might get it. Exactly. It's, all right. So my interview with Max Brooks, he kind of brings some this to a closure whereas we talk about zombies as an analog to disease. Let's see what he's got to say. For me, it's about coming together, not splitting apart. And I think the problem is with a lot of zombie fans is they want a zombie outbreak to happen because they want to be the individual, the alpha male, society by themselves, no government. The hero. They want to be the hero. And the problem is that hero has a life expectancy of 30. They don't realize how complicated society is. This, This civilization, this thing we've created, how many threads it takes to keep this tapestry together. You know, at a time when everyone is saying less government, I think anyone who says that should go spend a year in Somalia. See what it's like when there's really less government. And if the water shuts off, if the food is not delivered to your grocer, right. do you know how to skin a deer? Do you know how to eat a squirrel? And We don't have any of those talents. No, and every level builds on itself. I mean, how many of us are alive today because of medication or surgery or any of the modern wonders that keep so much of us alive? And if you pull that plug, a lot of us are doomed. So a subtext there mm-hmm. is to perhaps get people to appreciate the very existence of the civilization in which they live? I would be very proud if people did that because I do think that most people nowadays, especially in this country, not only take civilization for granted, they're trying to unravel it. And I think that is really dangerous. I've traveled around the world and I've seen what happens when countries don't have this level of civilization. Do you know there's a new department of Homeland Security that's specifically charged with a disaster on the scale that takes out infrastructure? So an asteroid, so so where transportation is halted, clean water is not available, medical supplies are not available. How do you recover from that? Right, which I think is brilliant. I mean, I tell people in some of my zombie lectures, I say, do you- My zombie lectures. I actually do these these lectures. I say, you know that we are now less likely to survive a quarantine than we were in 1917. Because in 1917, you go to your local food store, everything was either canned or salted or pickled. Now, everything in your grocery store is based on same-day fresh delivery. What's going to happen when those trucks don't roll in at 6 a.m. You run out of food in four days. Yeah, four days. As opposed to 1917, you might have a couple weeks. Right, especially the salting of food was very big. That We did a whole show on salt. Right. Just in how that was so fundamental. Right. And where does this all come from? How do you clean water? What happens when the water treatment shuts down? I mean, think about it today. What would happen today if Saudi Arabia got nuked by Iran and we were not involved? What would happen to the price of fuel? What would happen to our society that runs on this single product? 
There it is. Lori, I want to know, you, you think about this stuff, you write about it. Is uh, What is the future of viruses? Where, 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 where do we have to be, what do we have to be afraid of next? Yes. Uh, wherever <laughs> climate change and habitat intrusion is occurring as a nexus, we see species put under tremendous pressure that carry viruses that humans have not been exposed to. Almost all of the big epidemics that we've seen in the last decade plus have come from fruit bats that normally bats did you say bats bats B-A-T-S, that normally these are the um, big ones the fruit bats yes they normally pollinate the rainforests and as the rainforests are under stress and the upper canopies are getting overheated desperate bat populations are moving closer and closer into human areas and passing their viruses to our livestock and eventually to us and guess what that includes SARS Ebola turns out to be a bat virus. Marburg turns out to be But Lissa, also sexy Hendra. vampires. <laughs> you leave out the sexy vampires. Like it's not great. Brad Pitt as yeah. a viral transmitter. <laughs> <laughs> a bat bit him and made him so handsome. Well, so so basically, you're the, just jealous. The, vi- uh, the environment is creating whole other uh, vectors for disease transmission. Absolutely, and and we're unable to really predict or quantify the risk. We're going to have to have you back on Star Talk because this was fascinating, and my whole mind and body is in a new place for having listened. Yeah, it's been two hours of Star Talk, and with, with Laurie on our last of those two hours. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And Eugene, thanks for you're yes. tweeting at Eugene Merman. It's true. I got you there. This has been Star Talk Radio. <laughs> Based in part on a grant from the National Science Foundation, I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, signing off as usual by bidding you to keep looking up. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com.